was hearing about Samson and how they cut off his hair. And they cut off the fruit of his growth, but they couldn't get the root. And it grew back. And I don't know, and I don't really understand why things go missing. But just know this, the root is in you. And it's going to grow back stronger. You're going to do something greater. I don't know why that child turned away. But there's a root in there that's going to cause them to grow back. Father, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, that in the midst of this fast, Lord God, and maybe, I don't know, if you, you may have lost your excitement, but let me, let me tell you, go back to the root of why you started and let that growth happen and let that power begin to just surge back into you and get back on track. I know we're halfway there. But something about seeming like, man, you know, I don't know what you may be looking at. I just sense in my spirit that there's a, there's a loosing of the grip. But in Jesus' name, though it may have cut off all of your excitement, they couldn't cut off the root. And it's right there. Go ahead and let God grow you back. And go back into that place and shake walls. Tear down strongholds. Father, I just thank you in the name of Jesus. I'm excited that they could gouge out his eyes. They could do all of those things. They could only cut them down. They could not take him down. And I want every believer in here to know and grasp and understand that no weapon formed against them shall be able to prosper because they will continue to grow back. They'll continue to regenerate. They'll continue to reconcile. They'll continue to right be back formed in that image of God. Lord, we see them from afar off. Jesus, thank you for seeing us coming. And Lord God, we run to that place as tonight that we learn I'm, I'm living on my left. Living on my left tonight, Lord God. I may have lost some things, but what's left, I'm going to live on that. And so, Jesus, we just honor you this evening. Thank you, Lord God, for this kind comes out through prayer and fasting. These strongholds, these uh, generations of bad relationships, these uh, generations of, uh, of fatherlessness, this generation of, of being just in, in separated from the things of God. That ends in the name of Jesus. Lord, they've uh, cut off the hair, but they could not cut off the root. So, Lord God, the root of my marriage is good. The root of my children is good. The root of my finances is good. The root of my emotions is good. It's from heaven. You knew me when I was in my mother's womb. You formed me, Lord Jesus, so there's good root there. And where there's good root, there's always going to be good fruit. So I thank you. I want you to move past what's happening visually, physically, and emotionally and move toward the deeper of the deep. God, uh, take me to the deep. Take me to the inner circle, the inner courts. Hit me into your gates, Lord God, with thanksgiving, Lord God. Let me into your courts with praise, Lord. And I, I just thank you, Father God, that we just enter into that place. I thank you for each and every person had a purpose, a mission, and a plan of, of why they started fasting. And, and, and maybe even they slipped up. But let me call you back to the type of strongholds we're pulling down. We need every hand. We need every tongue. We need every ear. We need every heart to pull down the strongholds that 
we're believing to pull down. We need you. We need you to re, re recommit yourself and, and rise and know that God gave you this word tonight specifically to let you know it's not over. There's a root in you that desires to grow out. Father, we thank you this evening. We bless you. We honor you for the service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, to preach about living on my left. Uh, little is great in God. So no matter how small, what looks, may look insignificant to the world, God is, it's great to God because it's his. It's his. It belongs to him. It belongs strictly to Jesus. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 6 through 7, do not eat the bread of selfish man or desire his delicacies. For as he think, <laughs> this is not the right verse. This is not the right verse. I did it wrong. This is actually Proverbs chapter 23, <laughs> verse 6 and 7. So what I'm going to do is go back to when we used to read from the Bible. Unbelievable. Sorry, Pastor Donnie. I am sorry. I was so excited about this message as, as a sitting in the house all day yesterday and only going out for a little bit. But what verse 6 and 7 says, but <laughs> that ain't even right. That ain't even the right, that ain't even right verses in Genesis. It's the part where God tells him. <laughs> he says, you can eat of every tree in the garden except this one. Do not eat of the tree of knowledge because once you eat of it, you will surely die. Wherever that verse is, somewhere in there in Genesis where I lost my mind, um, that's, that's, <laughs> Lord Jesus, have your way. Obviously, we know who you are <laughs> and that you, Lord, speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Living on your left is meaning that you live on what's left. Uh, every, one, every one of us has been in this uh, situation where we've lost a loved one, and then we have to learn how to move beyond that and live on and live with those who left. Because if you keep trying to get back what's lost, you will miss those who are left. So living on our left means that I know that something has gone, but I want to honor what is still here. I love, I used to love the fact that what my, my mom used to say to us, I am so glad to see you come home. And, and, and it was like, we come home every night. But, but until you've experienced when your kid doesn't come home one night, you appreciate every night. And so we, we couldn't get it until it was like somebody died, you know, dummy. That's why that's important to her that we keep coming home. You keep showing up. So Adam and Eve wasn't able to live on the left. They, they had to go after that one that was, was uh, commanded not to be in their sights. And, and when you struggle to not live on your left, it, as he said, you shall surely die because you're trying to eat from something that doesn't want you anymore or can't feed you anymore. And I can't eat from that. I can't eat from those things. And, and, and it's set in motion, not only pain for them, but death and hell for every person. Right? So when, when I can't functionally 
work out with what God has left me with, it not only costs me, but it costs my children. It'll cost all of those around me or, or cost our church. And, and, and I and love it. I always think about the uh, statement uh, Miss Margarita said to me when we were in the old church and we were in the middle of the fast and she knew they was doing stuff to get on my nerves. She knew that they were doing and asking, but I couldn't, I didn't have the energy to get mad. I didn't have burger in me to get mad. Right? And she goes, I like you like this for the meetings. You know, and all I could do was was laugh. Well, one of the things that I've been, I, I, one of my consistent prayers is they, I said, Lord, I, I want a, a higher level of purity, you know, in my body, in my mind, in my emotions, and whatever it is, and if anger tries to rise, I want purity to, to drive it out. That, that's been my constant prayer. Higher level of purity that whoever I touch or whoever I come in contact with is, is going to receive a, a higher level of purity. But I too want to walk pure in such a way that it brings a cleanliness to everyone around it. Now, not that I walked around dirty before or anything like that, but, but, but it's like the woman who touched the garment of Jesus, just touched the garment. There was a purity there that brought virtue out. So there is something powerful about turning to God when people place their things are gone that ignites faith to higher levels. When you just turn to God, like I know, which one, please let me, because you know, you could already know it's driving me crazy. 16 and 17 is what that verse should have been. I left the ones off of that. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. Make sure you fix that up in your uh, manual. Gosh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, it says, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit. See, because he won't deal with what he's got left. He's trying to look back at what he lost and what he walked away from. So then you become unfit. And one of the reasons why I think we always have to encourage each other and, and pray even about these times that we're doing together. And, and I even had a, a person who used to go to church here and, and the church they go to out of town where, they, where that person is and said their church is starting a fast. And, and she, she was complaining because she said it's just cause everybody's doing it. It's a fad now. I'm like, Praise God. And, you know, again, some folks may just, they may be. But I want to say it like Paul said it. No, like Jesus said it to the disciples. If they preach in Jesus, I don't care if they yell, scream, quiet, or whatever. Let them go. So what if it's the fad that all the churches fast for 21 days? Man, complain about something else. Get traffic. But don't talk about when we all come together and start to make a difference. I'm thinking like, well, I understand, but you need to be in it. We need your angry prayers. And so sometimes when people come to God and they're serving God, they start to look back at what they think is missing. Because that thing is no longer there. And what we have to explain to them, it will make you unfit if you keep letting go of God and then running to that and then grabbing God and then letting go and then grabbing God and letting go because then you're going to become unstable in your ways. You become double-minded, right? We don't do that in marriage, right? Oh, well, here, let me go back to my old girlfriend. Philip, and let me go back. Now, see, nobody even think like that. See, y'all even just look at me for that was a wrong example almost, but that's what I used. 
the theory of looking back has made more people ineffective in their walk with Christ than just about anything. Just the theory of what could have been if I still was back there. Well, let me tell you what could have been. You could have been dead. You could have been strung out. You could have been further away than you are. That's what could have been. So it is just a matter of time before we, when we start to look back, it's just a matter of time before we think back. And when we start thinking back, as a man thinketh, so is he, we'll be back to the old way. So don't look back. Uh, that Lot's wife looked back and she turned into a pillow of salt. It is an old way of thinking. The enemy wants you to not live on what's left because he thinks you always need more. That was his problem. I think I should be better than you, God. That was his deal. I, you, what's left? You mean all I get to do is worship in front of everybody and all the angels? You just going to give me the worship part of heaven? I want to be God. I don't want to live off your left. Right? Whatever God has left us here to do, we need to live on that. In Luke chapter 15, verse 17 through 18, I promise this is the right one. Uh, because we just preached it again, and we're going we're gonna to bring up back, back our, because we preached on Sunday about our prodigal son, so we're going to bring him back to church. The prodigal son who, God, Dad, give me all my money, that my inheritance, even though I can't even wait for you to die. I want to spend it while you're here. And he gives him all the money, and he goes and spends it all, and he goes and gets poor, and he's in there working for people and living and, and eating a husk of pigs, and he's living in slop. But, but here's the thing that, that hit me last Sunday, but I couldn't preach it because I was preaching another sermon. And it says, when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and, and, and I perish with hunger, and I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. The product son, he spent everything. So, right, he lost all of his money. But what did he have left? He had, what did he have left? The knowledge of his father. So, he rose to that. Now, he didn't raise everything. He didn't raise his money back. He didn't raise back his, his emotions. He didn't raise back his hurt. But sometimes we need to quit trying to arise everything and just raise that one thing. And learn how to just get up and say, he didn't say all rise, it said a rise. And I was like that. I was like, the, he spent everything. It was, it was just completely his fault too. But he still was allowed to recognize and then arise and go back to his father's house. So nevertheless, what was left for him to live on was the ability, the ability which we all have, the ability to get up. The ability to get up, not give up. Get up. I know they sound alike, but don't give up. Just get up. As, as Les Brown, the great motivational speaker, says, if you fall, try to land on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. Sometimes you just have to roll over and get up. So we can never know much is available. That is a strange sentence. We can never know much is available to us until we learn to use what we already know. It makes sense. You'll never know how much is available till you use what you have. Because if you're always chasing something you don't have, you'll never recognize what's already within you. That's something that I, I wrote on social media this morning. If you lower standards means lower strength. You're as strong as your standards or as weak as your standards. 
And so we want to raise our standards. So then that is, we look at that, and that is God will be in place for our return. Remember, and we talked about the Father sees you from afar. The Father see, always sees you coming. He always sees that little prayer, even though you don't went off on everybody in the grocery store. And you, what, what do we say? Just forgive me, Jesus. Ah, they're coming. Right? Right? He, just, he sees you coming. He, he doesn't see all that other stuff because he says, when you forgive me, he's like, oh, my son has returned. They went at H-E-B and they was lost, but now they've been found. <laughs> so when we are down to nothing, God is up to something. We've heard that, right? Because a willing vessel still remains to, to, to be filled. Arise. You don't have to to get up from all of your stuff. But if you'll just get up yourself to God. So that's what happened with people at church, right? I don't come because I got stuff in my life. Everybody in here got stuff in their life, right? Everybody in here, all of y'all do. All of us do. All of us do. Where you got stuff in your life. When you saw some stuff happening when, when your kids didn't go to school yesterday and, and they were home and, and the refrigerator is just getting emptier and emptier. And we've never seen the back of the refrigerator that fast before, but it was getting emptier and emptier and they were just eating. And, and thank God I was fasting because there wouldn't have been enough. But there's always something left. Always something left. There's always something there that God wants to use you. And every time you start to look at God, I don't have this, I don't have that. But he says, have you lived on the left yet? Because if you live on what's left yet, you won't be talking about what left before. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six. And I was back there hanging out with Ashlyn. We act a lot alike. Oh my gosh. I just like, this is the energy you're going to have when you turn 50, young lady. This is it. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, Miss Rita was still in my verse. This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. He loves a giver who excited about what was left. Just, just love what I got left. I love that, that I'm left with you. Love that I'm left here. I'm loved, loved on my left. We, we hear or, or even make the statement that life hasn't turned out what I turned in or my current situation isn't what I had in mind. Right? You heard it all the time. Man, it's just not what it's, life has not turned out what I turned in. And, and I always ask teachers, did you cry your first year of teaching? A lot of teachers, yeah, I did. Life wasn't listening. And neither were them kids. But you ever felt that way? I've turned in all my stuff and nothing's turning out for me, God. I turned in my part. I, I did my part. I actually heard a lady say that, that a, 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 good, a good diet can overcome generational sicknesses. Right? A bad diet will inherit generational sicknesses. Even if you do healthy outside stuff. Again, the Bible says a healthy spirit will overcome what lacks on the outside. Right? I know what I can't do, but God's in me and he keeps doing it through me. 
right? I, I know I'm not good enough. I get it. I know, but I'm just working with what's left. He's the right in me. He's the one that's taking me forward. So it is there that he hits that. And, and, and now I have to deal with what I, what I had in mind isn't what I needed in my heart. I ever thought of it, man, I wish I had that. And, and God is like, really, that won't fit in your heart. That, that won't work for you. But, but God, this is what I had in mind, but that's not good for your heart. And good that, that I get to miss some things because now, because what I had in mind was something I could try to get back or get even with someone, or if I could just show someone else. But God is like, if you just show the people that are actually there with you, that really will celebrate you instead of waiting for you to get even with somebody they don't even know you're fighting with. So I got to live on what's left. What was left? When everything was gone, what was left? Now, here's that verse that we put Genesis 2-6 identity on it, and it's not. It's Proverbs chapter 23, verse 6 and 7. It says, do not <laughs> eat the bread of a selfish man. I don't even know how that's possible. Because if he's selfish, you ain't going to get to his bread no way. Or maybe if you sneak and snatch it, even if you could get it. Because sometimes we think that we should get from others just because they may be bad people, they didn't deserve it, so whatever we got from them was good. We don't want anything from them. We don't want the products either. So don't eat the bread of selfish men or desire his delicacies. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. Have you ever been to somebody's house that they gave you food to eat, but they really didn't want you to eat it? You ever been there? Go on, get it, man. Just eat it. Like, you didn't feel comfortable, right? And you probably turn down meals for the next six years after that. All it takes is once, <laughs> Steph, not me. <laughs> it takes is once for someone to, and I guarantee you, <laughs> you wouldn't do it. And if someone can, you here, just eat our food then. Well, just have it. <laughs> this is a bad verse to have during a fast because some of y'all like, I hope you do bring some bread up in there. <laughs> I've been hallucinating about them carbs. <laughs> the devil loves to say who you were. That's what it is. He just loves to say, this is who you were. God is all about you being all that he knows is available to you. The mind must be aligned with God or you will think yourself right out of position with God by dwelling in what God what God has sent away. Now, now again, tough thing about that, Ms. 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 Rita and I, and she's talking to this person who's saying, that, you know, no longer, no longer believes in God, and, you know, God never done any me. Everything I did, I did on my own, and, and Ms. Rita started to cry, and I started to get mad, because Ms. Rita's crying because this person is deliberately trying to choose hell. I'm like, well, y'all know what I'm like, right? <laughs> like, they know better. Hmm? They know better. That, that's me. But she's like, this is one. The 99 is here, but this one, I don't want to see this one go away. And she don't want that person to be lost. You know, I, I call it dramatization. 
And I think it's a strange game that where people want to get attention when God has said, I'm always here for you. But to go to that point and say, uh, I've done it all on my own and to play God, that's what, that's what, that's what Lucifer said. I'll be like the most high. And so I tried, I worked on, because I, I couldn't, I wasn't, the stuff wasn't sent to me. Thank you, ain't that good that there's a pastor, Rita? And then, huh? There's a good, there's grace. There's thunder and there's lightning and then there's grace. Because really, I mean, I'm the, I ain't got that, don't have time that, you know better. All them nights we done been praying with you and raising up stuff. You going to say that? Let's see how real, how much you believe that. Let me go hang you off the edge of this building. But what Miss Rita had left in her was compassion. What that lady lost, Miss Rita had left. And was just kept, well, God, you know, I'm still going to pray for you. I'm still going to believe God for you. She didn't say, well, you can go on and go to hell then. <laughs> you know where that was coming from. <laughs> However, sometimes even when people hurt you and you still are nice to them, that's what you have left. And people think you're being used when God is like, no, that's living on what's left. Okay? So it's, it's a great deal. It's, it was a great thing to watch. Isn't it amazing what you're watching? I mean, we say it all the time. These ladies here can sing and these guys in worship and they do their stuff. And we watch people do stuff we can't do. Isn't that cool to, to see? To watch them, man, that's amazing. They can do stuff I can't do. Or whatever you're fascinated about. But I was watching that and I was like sitting going yesterday, I right now couldn't do that. I wouldn't be, I didn't have one loving text I could send back. But I didn't get the text to start with. So God knew who to send it, who to send it to. Right? You ever know what God won't ask you to do more than you can? Right? If he said, you ain't got nothing left for this. You can't live on your left. You can't live on what's left. So I'm going to move you forward and let your wife show you how to be a pastor. And that's okay. It's okay. You got to learn. You got to learn. Someday I'll get there. Uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 16 through 17. And, and famous, it says that Jesus, there's uh, 5,000 men plus women and children, uh, which could have been up to 20,000 people total. Uh, and Jesus asked, you know, the disciples, do they have anything to eat? No, we don't have anything to eat. But we did find a little boy with a two-piece fish dinner. So Jesus taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, Jesus spoke a blessing and broke them. Then he gave them to, his, to, his, to the disciples to set before the people. <clears throat> they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Yeah, man, living off what was left from a miracle. Well, God, you didn't do that for me, but see, but you get to eat the leftovers from the miracle. 
This is 12 baskets full to eat. From I sure wish I'd have been there when Jesus did it. Well, I'm bringing it to you. Here's what's left. It is not, it's, that's not a bad life when I live off the leftovers from a miracle. Salvation was the ultimate blessing and, and, and the breaking that, that Jesus did on us. When we no longer ate from the old, now you get to live off what God had left. So I had to call you out of some, I was <laughs> trying to explain, I was explaining to Elijah how we were with our youth group. Steph did not go home to parent. None of the wrong, great, she got great parents. I love Lada Lada. He likes to party. I lo love him, but they were not Bible teaching her at home. But when we would come and to come to church, the fire of God, when we would get together and go witness, was a whole different level. That God was developing a new root and was going to develop that fruit inside of her. Regardless, I was telling her that how we used to be and how, how Scotty and I were very competitive. And, and how one night, we were, you know, whenever we went to couples things, it was like, it was just it was just that whole fire thing and Elijah's looking at me like y'all not well and I was like well that's just the way we were we were just very competitive people we competed for the right things of God and wanted today to be standing before God without that we would let things just happen I believe that competitiveness and I was explaining to him was that we wanted to see who all we could win for Jesus. This is what it was all about. And we were out there, and I was just explaining to him, and, he was, and I was just explaining that there were times where, where we, would, we would go out and would look up, and Steph would be hanging out in somebody's car, not in the wrong way, just telling about God, trying to give him pamphlets. And, and I'm like, this girl can get drove, drug off somewhere drug off and we have to go pull her out of people's cars because you know you're the youth pastor you can't you got to go tell their parents well your kid got someone took her that's not gonna go well i was like no i was i'll blow up somebody's car um but but anyway what she was living off was what was left what they brought her up in she had something i don't care what religious not religious but i don't know what denomination i don't care there was some root in there that developed in you it developed, and I've, I've met kids from all generations or denominations who love elevation worship. They're not just, it ain't what it used to be. There's no big organ. It, it's everybody's coming around. So, I mean, you know, we're going to call what's good and they're good. And we're going to believe God for it. So we don't want to ever leave it out there. And that's kind of what I was telling him, explaining to him. There was a lot of good in us. We weren't perfect. But what good was, God was using what was left. He was using the fact that we cared enough about him to love him. Okay? So when we no longer ate from the old, he provided baskets full of life for us to partake. And again, we encouraged, or we encouraged every one of our kids that when it came, give up that old junk. Because if you're still listening to the old junk and to the old music, it's going to be hard for you to worship to this new life that God has for you. If we don't ever teach you to live on your left of what God has left for you, you're going to be trying to bite from the knowledge, the tree that you were never supposed to be eating from. And all you're going to do is die. When it comes time to worship, all you will do is not be able to have a life for it. So then we hit our favorite tattoo verse. 
Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. People got it everywhere. Beauty for ashes. But verse 12 is good too, though. So doing all things through Christ is based on left living by serving God, whether there are, whether things are good or bad, God is always first. So now, let me say this to you and then we're going to go. I know how to be a base, right? And I know how to be a bound. I know how to be broke. I know how to be rich. I know how to be happy. I know how to be sad. Whichever way, right? And then it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if I don't know how to be happy with God when things don't go my way, I won't be able to do some things. In other words, if my standards get low because I didn't get my way, my strength will be low. So God strengthens me because I've learned to live in the abase. Call that your left. Or my abound. Call that your left. Whatever it is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me when I learn to live. And this is why we want our kids to be obedient immediately. We want them to obey quickly. Because when they have hearing problems, I want to take a Q-tip and just push it in there. It's wrong. That's not what God does to me. He gives me a chance. Amen? So you live on your left. Amen? I want you guys to bow your heads. Let's pray over you. You look like some saved people to me. You look it. But if you're not, just say you're on fire and we'll come put that thing out. But as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, you do want to pray and speak to uh, those of you who have lost a loved one, lost someone close to you. And then you've had trouble getting back on track to living. I want to encourage you that you've got a lot left. A lot of great things left to do, and God wants to use you to do it. There's plenty for you to go back to. I want you to feel like I don't ever want you to feel like it's all is lost and everything is over. But I've got plenty left. Father, I just pray and I thank you, Jesus, that whatever setback that we may have set uh, faced, that Lord, that there's more left. There's more left than lost. And Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your word tonight that I'm living on my left. I'm living on what you've left me. Because God, if it's still here, after all of the stuff that has happened, after everything that's gone down, if it's still here, that means it's God. That means it's what you designed for me to have. Because there's the one thing that your word says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. All these things that we have in, in the house, Lord God, these treasures of gold and the wood and all those things will burn up. But the things of God will never be destroyed. Lord, if that's what's here, that means that's what's you. And so if that's you, then I'm going to live off of that. I'm going to live on my left. Quit whining about what's not there. I'm quit whining about what's gone. Quit complaining about what I don't have. And Lord, I'm going to turn to what God has set for me and said, you can eat of all of this. But I need you to quit dying. I need you to come home. I'm not saying just go in the house. I mean, actually be at home when you walk through the door. 
I need you to be there because you're missing so much. Trying to figure out what used to be when God has called you to so much that's being right now. So Lord Jesus, as a pastor, I thank you for those who are here. I thank you for Lord, I thank you Lord for what's left. Thank you, Jesus. I live on my left. I live for my left. I live for those, Lord God, that you've called us to, Lord Jesus. And, and no more, Lord God, speculating why this person or why that happened. But my God, who's here, is using us in a mighty way. And I thank you, Jesus, as you're encouraging each and every person here, declaring them, Lord God, to say, I'm with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you to the very end. And Father, we receive that promise, not just for us, but our kids. And we receive it, Lord God, for our families. In Jesus' name, everybody say, amen.